You are listening to a podcast from Classic City Church. We're glad you've joined us. Our services are held at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 595 Prince Avenue in the Piedmont Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.classiccity.org. This is a sermon from Pastor Lee Mason. If you have a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, the New Testament. We have been um, doing a series on the Holy Spirit the last several weeks. Um, one of the, and we've called it the Beyond Within. And one of the uh, aspects we've looked at from the beginning about the Holy Spirit is the way He's introduced in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 2, chapter 1, verse 2, the second verse in the Bible, when the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, it uses the Hebrew word ruach. And the word ruach in Hebrew means a hurricane, means a powerful, mighty storm. So the Holy Spirit is described in the Bible as possessing immense power and ability. In Isaiah chapter 40, the prophet Isaiah is talking about the Holy Spirit. And when he describes him, he says he literally is a being who took the oceans when he was creating the world. And he put the oceans in the palm of his hand and just sort of measured them out. Filled the water beds of the ocean from the palm of his hand. He calculated the dust of the earth, how much mountains weigh by the dust speck. And he has this incredible capacity of power and brilliance. And, And in that poem, it's in Isaiah 40. The prophet is asked the question, who can fathom the Spirit? Who could possibly counsel him? Who could probably, who could possibly help him out or give him advice? And he's, he's describing a being of immense power and immense brilliance. And as we read the Old Testament, we find that one of the things that would happen as the Messiah came and he brought about a new age, one of the crucial benefits and that's going to happen to people who are following the Lord in those days, is the Holy Spirit will live in them. And so in Jesus, he said that when the Holy Spirit comes, he would be from within you like a mighty rushing water. He would just be like a, like a fountain of water just bursting out from within you. And so we're calling this the beyond within because the Holy Spirit's beyond in power and scope. He's unfathomable. But yet the beyond lives within us. So we're kind of unpacking what that means. Now, um, let me read you this verse. It's one verse in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, about the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, it says this, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God for whom you were sealed until the day of redemption. Now, as we... Read the New Testament and you read about the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes the word redemption shows up when the Holy Spirit's being talked about. And it's a big part of what he does. So let's ask the question, what does the word redemption mean? How do we use it? Several years ago I was, um, I was a single guy. It's a Saturday night. Of course you have no life when you're single on a Saturday night. So I was... Watching football, college football, I think Georgia game was over. And I, I got sort of, I was in between things, but I was sort of caught up into this game that was on TV. I think it was on ESPN. 
And, and I don't remember who was playing who, but I remember it was sort of a rivalry game. And one team hadn't beaten this other team in like six or seven or eight straight games. There was kind of a winning streak that had been going on. And the team that had been beaten every year for several years in a row was behind by a couple touchdowns and going into the fourth quarter. And the team had a drive down the field and they scored a touchdown and they came within touchdown and it was at their home stadium and their fans were really getting excited and getting into it with hope that maybe they would win and they would break this streak and, and they were all fired up and all geeked up and they kicked off and they stopped the other team and the team punted back to them. And, and so I got kind of caught up in the game. I started looking at it really and, and they drove down the field again. The score I think was 35-28. They went all the way down the field less than a minute to go. And with less than a minute to go, they scored a touchdown. They made the score 34-35. There was probably 30 seconds, 40 seconds left in the game. And their place kicker came on to kick the extra point. Now he was literally a freshman and he was just, he had had some struggles kicking through the season. But he came out there, it was 35-34, it's a simple extra point. He goes and he kicks it and he blows the kick. He blows the kick. Whole place, fans are screaming, they suddenly just complete hush came over. He blew the kick. Here's a lesson. 30, 40 seconds left in the game. He goes, and so what they have to do to sort of redeem this situation is they have to do an onside kick. And so he lines up, and there's this poor kid. He actually kicks the onside kick, and it's a very good onside kick. Like, it's terrific. I mean, a bouncy, perfect onside kick. His team recovers the onside kick. And they have about two or three plays left, and they go down, and they drive the ball two or three plays, and they get to, like, the 30-yard line. And there's two seconds left. And this young man has to come out and kick a field goal longer than any field goal he's ever kicked in his life who just missed an easy extra point. And they come out, they line up. The other team called timeout. They do that, they freeze him. And then, all this tension, they snap the ball and he kicks. And the ball goes straight down the middle. He wins. And the place goes nuts. And the announcer said, what a story of redemption. What a story of redemption. And it really is a great story in the context of a football game of redemption. Redemption is when something very good comes out of something that once was very bad. That's redemption. Something is bad. Something is broken. Something is messed up. And in a Christian context, it means God actually works to turn something that is very bad into something that is very good. There's a word, there's an art that is popular in Japan. It's called kintsuki. Kintsuki. And here's what the art of kintsuki is. Uh, when in, the, in Japan, whenever they would break a valuable, like a vase or a bowl or a plate, Often, usually they do what we do. We just throw those things away. They're no longer any good. Well, the Japanese people began to, uh, instead of throwing them away, they would actually glue them together. And 
instead of just pulling them together, though, they developed over time, they would actually take a lacquer and they would put them together. And then where the brakes were, where the lacquer was holding them together, they would actually take gold dust and they would line the broken spot and they would highlight the scar and the break with gold. And the word kintsuki literally means the gold that heals, the gold that mends. And the idea was this plate, because of its the mending, because of the art, because of the value put on the scars, actually is worth more after its break than it was before. It was just a plate beforehand. But after the break, because of the work, because it now has experienced the gold that mends, it's become a work of art. That's a great picture of what redemption is. In the Old Testament, there's a story of a guy named Joseph. Tremendous story. It's a young man who was born, who was privileged. His jealous brothers turned on him, sold him into slavery. As a slave, he was abused by his, uh, he was basically mistreated by his owners. He was wronged by them. He actually went to jail, went to a dungeon. He was kind of forsaken in the dungeon. But through a remote set of circumstances, God actually used him to save Egypt from a famine and actually save the world. And he was actually promoted from the dungeon to being the second highest uh, leader in all the world at that time. That was Joseph's story. And as Joseph was leading and Joseph was administrating this great deliverance he had brought to the Egypt and to the known world, he got married and he had two kids. And one of them he named Manasseh. And the word Manasseh means literally this, God has made me to forget all that happened to me. Everything that happened in my past, all the brokenness, all the damage, all the abuse, all the betrayal, God has literally made me to forget it like it never happened. Then he had a second son named Ephraim. And the word Ephraim literally means God has made me productive. God has fulfilled his purposes through my suffering. It's a powerful story of redemption. And this is what God does. The Holy Spirit's work in our lives is to make the brokenness we've experienced something beautiful. Now, could you imagine that? Think about the brokenness in your life. Maybe it's from your family relationship. Maybe it's from uh, other relationships. Maybe it's from mistakes you've made. Maybe it's from habits that you've formed that you can't... Whatever is broken about your life, could you imagine somebody being able to make something beautiful out of it? Somebody being able to mend with gold where you've been pulled apart and where you've been damaged and where you've been hurt. And this is what the work of the Holy Spirit is in our lives. One of the missionaries we support here in the church is a dear friend of mine named Jesse Tobadoya. Try saying that. Jesse Tobadoya. Jesse's story is a powerful story. He was born in the bush of Liberia, four hours away from the Monrovia, the capital, which is only 
town there that was would be have any sort of modern uh, amenities at all. He was the oldest son. His dad had, uh, I think, nine wives. He had a lot of brothers and sisters. He was the oldest boy. One day, some people from Monrovia were, were in town loading some stuff. He volunteered to help. While he was volunteering to help, they kidnapped him and took him to Monrovia, four-hour drive away from his home. He had no way, no hope of ever seeing his family again. When he was in Monrovia, he was sold as a slave. He literally was a servant in a home. And what he would do as a servant of these wealthy people, he would walk their kids to school, protect them, and he would stand out, he would sit outside the classroom, and what he began to do was listen to the lectures, listen to the school. He had never been to school before, and he began to learn. He began to learn math. He began to learn how to read, how to, how to do the alphabet and all these things. He began to learn that way. A few years later, he ran away and was in a hospital, just trying to survive, and a nurse found him and asked him about his story. The first time they met, he lied to her. She saw him three days later, and he told her the truth, that he was a runaway, so she took him in. She began to teach him and educate him. Jesse was a very smart guy, very brilliant. He began to learn. He began to learn. He went to the university there and did exceptionally well. A civil war broke out in their country, and he was able to come here to America to Mercer, and he uh, Within three years' time, he got a master's in accounting and a master's in theology at the same time while working a 50-hour job. He's not your average bear. <laughs> and now God's used him powerfully to go back to his country and do mission work. And, and literally, it, that's the kind of stuff God does in lives. That's the kind of stuff the Holy Spirit does in lives all the time. I look around at this church. I know a lot of your stories. It, it is the same thing over and over again. Broken pieces mended together by gold. Broken pieces mended together by gold. Because that is the work of the Holy Spirit. When he gets involved in our life, that's what he does. The Holy Spirit is a brilliant, fabulous artist. And that's the kind of artwork he does. Broken pieces, put back together, makes them better than they were before they were broken. That is what he does. That's what he wants to do in our lives. That's what redemption is. A part of what redemption is for you and I is to experience this in our broken spots, in our broken places. See, what the Holy Spirit is a really different kind of guy. Because usually what we do, you and I, we see potential in ability. We see potential in strength. We see potential in wealth. We see potential in all kind of things. The Holy Spirit is not like that. The Holy Spirit sees potential in lack. The Holy Spirit sees potential in what you and I aren't, not what we are. The Holy Spirit sees potential in what you and I don't have, not in what we do have. That's what he wants. That's the kind of artist he is. And he wants to get his hands on your life and my life and do something beautiful in it. That is his job. That's what he's about doing. The spirit of redemption. To bring about healing and health and wholeness and powerful dynamic breakthroughs in the broken areas of our lives.
Now, something really interesting about artistic people, the Holy Spirit is an artist. Anybody here have artistic friends? Which is something wonderful about artistic. They're very talented, they're wonderful. They can be a little temperamental. You ever notice that? Anybody ever notice the artist can be a little temperamental at times? Well, it's, there's something really interesting about the Holy Spirit. When you read in the Bible, there's this real interesting thing Jesus actually said one time. It's in every one of the Gospels except John, but in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus had a conversation with some religious leaders, and he said this to them. He said, you know, you can blaspheme God the Father, and you can be forgiven. You can blaspheme the Son of God and be forgiven. But the Holy Spirit, if you blaspheme Him, it won't be forgiven. So even somehow within the Trinity, the Holy Spirit is a, it's just more sensitive. And so we have this sort of profound paradox with the Holy Spirit. He's powerful. He's a hurricane. He, and he, he's dynamic in ability. And he's unfathomable. But yet he's sensitive. And this is what Paul's talking about when he says in Ephesians 4.30, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The, the word grieve means really just to let the wind out of somebody. You ever had the wind that let out of you? Don't grieve him. Don't grieve the Spirit. Remember last year, I'm a big basketball fan. Uh, I like the NBA, at least the playoffs I watch very incessantly. And I'm a big LeBron James fan. I just think he's, he's the, the greatest player ever, without question. And I think he is, uh, I just love his story. I just think, I think what he's done, what he's become, what he's faced is just incredible. And so I'm a big LeBron fan. And, you know, he took on the world in the championship with, with the Golden State Warriors last year. And I'm watching the first game. Do you remember the first game? And I'm watching this game and we're on vacation and I'm watching it. And he is like single-handedly winning the game. He had like 50-something points and, 20-something rebounds, and he was just completely beating the greatest team around by himself, on their own floor, no less. That's what he was doing. And it was the very end of the game. They were down by a point. LeBron had the ball, and he makes this great pass. This guy catches it. It's about to score, but he gets fouled. And this guy goes to the free throw line. He makes his free throws 90% of the time. 90%. Three seconds left in the game. He goes and he hits the, and he makes the first shot. Now I'm going to tell you something about basketball if you didn't play. I played. If you're shooting a free throw and you make the first shot, you almost always make the second shot. I don't know why, it's just you, you just make the second shot. Particularly if you're an NBA player and you make 90% of your shots. Somehow this guy barely hits the rim with three seconds to go in the game. But don't worry about it. One of LeBron's own players got the rebound. And he's right under the basket. Like, every one of us here could have made this basket <laughs> and won the game. Literally. There's only one problem with this. This guy who gets paid $18 million a year to play basketball. Unlike all 30 million people that were watching, unlike the other nine guys playing on the court, did not know what the score of the game was. 
which is a detail you kind of want to know. And instead of shooting a layup, he dribbles the ball away because he thinks they're leading by a point. And as he's dribbling away, LeBron is doing this, and he throws LeBron the ball as the clock goes out. And he's going, the look on LeBron James, yeah, that's grief. <laughs> he was like, how? I have busted it. I have played, I've done great. I have, this is the best I can do. We have defied the odds. We are about to win. And with three seconds left in the game, you literally forget the score. And he just collapsed. That's grief. That's grief. It's when you have worked hard, you see something great that can happen. And somebody blows it. That's grief. We've all experienced that. And he's saying, Paul's saying, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is trying to do something remarkable in and through your life. Don't grieve him. He's excited about your life. He's excited about your future. He's excited about what he sees happening in your life. Don't grieve him. Don't let the wind out of him. Don't grieve him. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Now I want to just give us, in closing, I think three attitudes that will help us to, to really not grieve and really live a life that's sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Again, not perfect, but live a life that is sensitive to the Holy Spirit to where we can keep in step with what he wants to do in our life. Three attitudes to think of. Number one is the attitude of hope. Hope is a great thing, isn't it? Attitude of hope. And that means this. No matter what you're going through, no matter how broken you and I might be, no matter how debilitated by the same sin over and over again or whatever weaknesses or whatever flaws or whatever's happened, because we have the Holy Spirit on our side who is unfathomable, we have more for us than against us. There's always hope. It is not a big deal for the Holy Spirit to put your marriage back together again. It's just not a big deal for him. It is not complicated, and it's not hard for him. It is not hard or difficult for the Holy Spirit to turn your kids around if they're struggling. It is not a big deal. He, he knows how to do it. He knows what needs to be done, and it is well within his ability to be able to do it. It is not difficult for him to make positive things out of a broken background. But parents, family, relationships, the way we're raised may have absolutely cracked us. It is not a big deal for him to put us together and, gl and glue us back together with gold, mend us so that uh, something actually even better emerges out of our life because of those things. Just like in Joseph's life, just like in so many lives, it is not a difficult thing. Hope is important. There's a uh, guy who was part of our church uh, when he was a college student named Palmer. Palmer was uh, came here uh, from a, a very prominent family. He came here as a student, joined a, a real popular fraternity on campus, 
and became a drug addict and an alcoholic. Otherwise, he was doing really well in school. <laughs> He'd been arrested a few times, got the end of his rope, and uh, I, I didn't know who he was, but one day out of the blue, he literally called me up on the phone, told me his story, said, I want to get right with God. And we started meeting once a week, and he, he followed the Lord. We baptized him here. Um, his mom would stay up night after night praying for him. Never gave up on him. Never gave up on him. Today, that young man is in seminary. He's going to be a preacher. This hopeless kid, rebellious, defiant, don't want to hear about that. Listen, God, God can, it doesn't take much. The Holy Spirit, always have hope. Always have hope. Hope is a powerful thing. As believers in Christ, if we really believe the Holy Spirit is who the Bible says He is, and He literally can live within us, we should always have hope. Never give up on yourself. Never give up on others. Always have hope. Have hope. Second thing I think is really crucial to keep in step with the Spirit is humility. Humility. If I were a broken pot. If you were a broken pot that was lying there on pieces and you were put back together, would you believe you're a big deal independent of the person who put you back together? No, really, all you are is what? You're just trash. I'm just trash. The real big deal is a person who cared about the pot who put it back together, who glued it back together, who lined it with gold, that's really the big deal. You know, the, the Bible says this, and not the Bible, there's a beautiful song uh, that was really popular uh, back in the 70s um, called the Hallelujah Chorus, and it is a, one of the phrases has this, this line, it says, all I had to offer him, it says this, like, something beautiful, something good, all my confusion he understood. All I had to offer him was my brokenness and my strife. But he made something beautiful of my life. Have humility. A bowl that has been glued together does not look down on the other bowls. Am I right? It looks up to the one who mended it. Have humility. And here's the third thing, hope, humility. I think the third thing that's really crucial in our lives to really be sensitive to the Holy Spirit is to have faith. And what I mean by having faith is really having a yieldedness to the Lord. You know, be willing to take the next step. Be willing to take the next step. Be willing to take the next step God wants in your life. If you're here and you have never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, do that. That's the next step. If you've never been baptized publicly, publicly profess your faith. Be baptized. If you're not in a Bible study, if you're not in a discipleship relationship, if you're not in a mentoring relationship where you can grow spiritually, take that step. Take that step. For a lot of people, the next step is maybe your stewardship and your giving. If you're not tithing, if you're not giving. There's a great preacher, Martin Luther, once said, every Christian needs to have three conversions. Conversion of their heart, the conversion of their mind, and the conversion of their wallet. <laughs> Take that step. 
Maybe you've got a relationship that is not right in your life. God wants you to have something a lot different in your future than the person you're dating and the person you're with. Take that next step. Get that out of your life. Maybe you're in business and you're, you're not doing your business with integrity. and You're not taking the low road. You're not doing things the way you should. Take the next step. Get that right. Taking the next step. Taking that step of faith and moving forward. That's how we stay keep in step with the Holy Spirit, not grieving. Hope, humility, and faith. Listen, the, the Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is within you. The Holy Spirit is powerful. The Holy Spirit is a beautiful artist. The Christian faith is a museum. It's a museum. Kintsuki, of the broken being made beautiful. And the artist who does that wants to put his hands around your life. He wants to own, scoop up the broken pieces and mend them together with gold and give you a scar more beautiful golden scar more beautiful than if nothing had ever gone wrong. That's who he is. That's what he's done. And that's why you and I need to live a life that's sensitive to him, keeps in step with him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the gift of the Holy Spirit. That he is powerful and that he is intimate and that he is brilliant. And I thank you that when he looks at every person in this room, he looks at what's wrong. He looks at what's broken. He can look at what needs to be fixed and, and go, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. And I pray you give us confidence and trust to trust you to do that. Or I pray you fill everybody here with hope. Hope for their marriage. Hope for their kids. Hope for their personal life. Hope for the sin they may be struggling with. Hope. Give us humility before you. And give us a faith that is yielded to take whatever the next steps are. That your beautiful work out of our brokenness would be done. And Christ would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Classic City Church. We hope that together we can honor the greatness of Jesus by growing spiritually, living authentically, and participating in his purposes. For more information or more sermons from Classic City Church, please visit www.classiccity.org.